So good morning and welcome to Parenting Podcast Live at Brentwood Oaks. In this 12-week session, we're inviting guests into our classroom to help us discuss the question, how do I talk to my kids about blank? And then we're filling in that blank with topics that the class members selected um, that are relevant and important for us to learn how to navigate. And we kind of do that first here and talk about it with each other and then try to translate that into um, an age-appropriate way. Uh, Most of us here are parents or people who work with kids on a regular basis. So just being prepared ourselves for these critical conversations is really important. Um, And the caveat we always give is that this isn't the end of the conversation. It's the beginning. And so we won't cover everything on this topic today, but we'll kind of get the ball rolling and hope that everyone will continue this conversation um, going forward. So this morning we have Scott and Renee Click with us. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Scott and Renee, um, they don't recall meeting, but it was in sixth grade. So y'all have known mm-hmm. each other for a while. Long time. They began Long dating time. at 16 and then were married at 19. Yes. So and a half. 19, okay. Well, that makes a difference. <laughs> um, and so they've been married almost thir- or for 36 years, mm-hmm. almost 36 mm-hmm. years, even though that doesn't look possible. <laughs> Thank you. And they have two children, Brandon and Kate. They work alongside their children, together with their children. And Kate and her husband have a son, Elijah, who is nine and a half months old. So they're also mm-hmm. grandparents, mm-hmm. which also doesn't look possible. <laughs> so. um, but when I, I wanted to start by asking if y'all could give us a little bit of a background on you know, your work and just your experience with this topic today, if I didn't mention, is um, how do I talk to my kids about money, success? Um, so how, what would you say is your background as it relates to work and money? Well, I'll just start by thanking you for having us. Um, We're very honored and humbled um, by the invitation. Uh, We've been listening to some of the other podcasts and um, some amazing experts in the field. And we don't consider ourselves experts in the field, but we'll do our best to share with you our experience and, um, and just thank you for having us. Yeah, as far as background for work, um, uh, we have a, a business here in Austin called Tomlinson's and, and it's pet food stores uh, that we have all over Austin. I, I grew up working in the business uh, since I was eight years old. Um, since I got out of college, uh, 33 years now after, after college that, that I was running it, I graduated from ACU on a Saturday and I was here in Austin Monday morning working with my dad. Mm-hmm. And he and I worked together side by side for 25 years until he retired. And then, um, uh, and then Renee, uh, came into the business and started working with me and, and, uh, and growing stores and growing the business. And then uh, both of our kids at different times after they got out of college, they worked other places for a few years. And then they came back to Austin and wanted to work with us as they saw us growing and, and all that. So it's, it's truly a family business. It's something uh, my dad and I always uh, got along very well working and I, I loved working with my dad. And um, uh, and now I love working with, with all my family. Uh, we get along <coughs> almost all the time. <laughs> really, we do. We, I mean, we, we, we rely on each other. We depend on each other. And uh, uh, when we have any differences of, of which way the business is going to go, we always work it out. So it's, it's really, really nice. And just won Austin's Best. So congratulations. Oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to start by... You know, I think a lot of us realize that success is so much more than money. And so what is a good definition of success for us to be using with our kids? Well, um, 
I think we didn't talk about being successful with our kids. We, we talked a lot about being responsible, financially responsible. And uh, we always lived, I mean, we, we struggled to make ends meet early in our marriage, and, um, but we always lived within our means. We were always content. We always felt like we had a lot. We always felt blessed with what we had. Um, so for us, um, it was more about fi- being financially responsible, being content, and also um, finding work fulfilling and meaningful. Mm-hmm. We were always very thankful, and one of the things that we always pray about and we prayed about in front of our children was being thankful for meaningful work and being thankful for all that God provided to us. And so that really uh, defined success for us, I think. Right. My dad always taught me, you know, we didn't ever talk about how much money we'd make or anything like that. I don't think ever. It was always, you know, being successful was using what we had for mm-hmm. God's glory and, and, um, and the responsibility that comes along with uh, any bless any blessings that God gives us, and we've just always, as Renee said, we've always felt like we were very blessed. Um, and I look back at the early days, and you know, one, uh, one of our first anniversaries, we went to Taco Bell, and and and, and we thought it was great, yeah. and we got it because we didn't have to order just the bean burrito; we could get the bean burrito supreme, you know, anything and, on the menu. And I'm being very, I mean. We, we just thought it was so it's a lot of it's attitude uh mm-hmm. success is added is attitude about mm-hmm. it and it's not how much you have because i um you'll find that all over the board there's no one point there's no one point where you run across the finish line and spike the ball and say <laughs> i'm successful yay right. yeah. that didn't happen right. so. and so kind of on the flip side of that how do we talk to our kids about failing and what failure looks like well we talked about that question on the way over here and how um uh, failure is just part of learning. Failure, I mean, you fail almost every day at something. And um, one of our business crushes is HEB because they are very, uh, they're amazing retailers and we watch them closely and we emulate them. And and they have said over and over again, we do a lot of th- different things. We try a lot of different things. There's almost nothing we won't try. And most of those things are failures. But once in a while, we hit something really great and run with that. So um, I think you just teach kids that as when they fail, you just you just get up and start running because it's just part of it. And and failure teaches them <coughs> resilience. Um, it also humbles us sometimes. Yeah, so. it does. We saw a prime example of of failure last night. You know, the Longhorns were you know, <laughs> they were down fourteen to nothing at the first quarter. My goodness, it looked bad. But what did they do? They learned from that failure. They got back up. Mm-hmm. And they came back and won the game. I mean, there's a lot of people that would have taken, you know, that. And you can look at sports teams a lot for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways that we can take examples that we see around us and then make that a lesson for our kids mm-hmm. and kind of take that nugget out of it. And be mm-hmm. like, see how they didn't give up? And mm-hmm. um, I think that's great. And so one thing I have witnessed as kids get older, our kids are, are still young, so we don't deal with this as much, but there are so many pressures out there. There's grades, there's athletics, there's college, and then career. You can see a lot of kids getting very overwhelmed by a lot of these things, um, and there's just so many ways where they can be successful or they can fail. And so how do we encourage our kids and help them to prioritize these and keep them in a godly perspective? You know, what help them realize what truly does matter while also encouraging them like you're saying to do their best and I think I think your your comment there what truly does matter and I think all of us need to all try to continually remember that and God's goals for us 
are not necessarily about success here on the earth. If, 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 if all God wanted to do was just bless us here on the earth, um, I mean, look at the apostles. My goodness, they had all kinds of struggles and, and torture and all that. And if anybody deserved an easy life, it was them. But that wasn't, that's not God's purpose. And so, so you have to uh, continue to look at what God's true purpose is, and that's for us to have a home with him someday. Uh, but you can go ahead and... Yeah, I think that also um, helping them make good choices for them, not choices that you wish, like I don't project something upon them that you wish they would go this direction, but truly help them to identify things for which they have a gift or an aptitude for, and then pursuing and exploring those kinds of things. Our children, us included, are, we're not athletes by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, and neither were our kids, but they, and they did some sports when they were younger and they realized that kind of wasn't their thing, but then they began pursuing other things and getting involved in other things. Both of them were on Jonathan's newspaper staff here at BCS and they spent many hours with him um, doing that. So I just think helping them make those choices that fit them. Mm-hmm. And you I'll know, just I've, I've I'll expand on that a little bit mm-hmm. with the one about Brandon. You know, sometimes you don't know what their aptitude is, and and you don't know what is what's necessary. But anyway, with Brandon, one thing I know Renee sometimes would go to his teachers. He he had a, a habit of 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 uh, waiting till the end of the semester to try to get his grades where they needed to be, and he would then go to the teacher and negotiate. You know, okay, if I do this, will you give me this, and back and forth, and, and he was a negotiator, and Renee would go to the teacher and say, don't let him do that. Yeah. Make him do the work. <laughs> don't, do let the him, work. don't let him do that. Um, you know, he'll take over your class. Don't let him do that. But now that he works for us, <laughs> that, that talent, I mean, I'm serious. When we, when we negotiate with, with uh, vendors and, and manufacturers and things like that, he's the one we want in the room. Mm-hmm. So he's good. And he has done a very good job of that in the last 10 years that he's so been So he was with us. honing his skills. <laughs> he was honing his skills. <laughs> we didn't know. Well, and I was just going to say, um, you know, this is recorded, and so your kids heard you say that they're not athletes. <laughs> oh, they <laughs> yeah. know. They know. But they also, <laughs> they also heard you compliment their other <laughs> wonderful traits. So we do have on the screen behind us, this is a, a text poll that we've been using in the class. So if everyone, you can get out your phones and text <laughs> Uh, So we kind of use this to kind of gauge where everyone is in the class. Mm -hmm. So as we transition a little bit from success in general to money, just wanted to kind of get a feel from everyone. On a scale of one to five, how much do you worry about or think about money? Um, And this is anonymous. And so uh, we see that some answers coming in right now, most out of three, one out of four. Um, No one so far at a one or a two. So... This is a topic that in some ways is more in your face than any of these topics that Mm -hmm. we have dealt with in this class. The Bible has more than 2,350 verses dealing with money. I mean, that when I read that, I was Mm -hmm. pretty shocked. Um, And Jesus talks more about money than almost any other topic. And it's funny because Elliot, as a, a personal story, Elliot asked me, you know, why, I, I always tell you daddy's at work. And she's like, why, why is daddy at work? And I said, well, he has to make money, which I don't know if that's the right answer or not. That was just at the time, the truth of what came to my mind. But um, so we, we know that money is necessary to operate. Uh, every aspect of our life really requires 
some sort of financing or resources in some way. Um, but it also seems really easy to give our kids conflicting messages about money. Um, we pursue it, but we don't. We mm-hmm. need it, but God takes care of us, things like that. So I wanted to just kind of start with an overall question of how can we be the voice of Jesus in our children's lives when it comes to the value of money and the priority that we place on that? You know, I, um, not just money, but work. Look at, at not just the money, but, but the value of work. I, I started when I was eight years old um, working in, in my, uh, for my dad, and I walked in one day, and he handed me rubber gloves and a scrub brush and said, go clean the toilets. You're never too good for anything. And, and, and I didn't think anything about it. That's what I did for a lot of years. And, and uh, um, Brandon and Kate, I started in the same way. Um, but we taught that money, there, there's a value in, in, in work. There's a value, uh, there's a, um, you, you can take pleasure in that. And, and there's a great verse on that in Ecclesiastes 3. It says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his work. This is God's gift to man. Um, your work is beneficial. I, humans are made to work. Um, being idle is not good for you. Uh, we've probably all known people who, who you know, got wealthy or something and, and, and didn't work. It's not good for you. Um, and so um, you don't just look at it as, well, I've got a job to do. You know, we're also working for Jesus. We're working, everything we do is to the glory of God. And, uh, and work is part of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if this specifically answers your question, but um, <clears throat> I never begrudged my dad. My dad worked a lot when I was little. It was Scott worked a lot, and I did some too, but um, I never recall begrudging that time away from us because my parents valued work and they were thankful for work. And that's, um, I guess I really never thought of it that much, but as, as, my, as our kids were growing up, they just understood that that's what you do and that's how we pay the bills and that's how we get are able to give mm-hmm. um, is, is by working. And um, it's also, you spend 40 or 50 hours a week at your job. And for us, um, those hours are spent among people who um, don't go to church all the time. And you know we choose our friends who we run and play with are always Christians. But um, the people that we work among are not, um, or many of them are not. And so it's our opportunity to minister while we're at work. And so that's an added benefit. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's another thing to us that um, makes work meaningful is it gives us an opportunity to, to be a light for Christ. Yeah. So, And I think... Um so another kind of on the flip side of that, I think sometimes we can also communicate the wrong messages about mm-hmm. money and careers and, and work. And so um, I'll just give one example. Mel, in one of his classes a while ago, he said that when their kids asked for something, instead mm-hmm. of saying, we can't afford that, mm-hmm. he would say, well, our family is choosing to use our money for other things mm-hmm. right now and kind mm-hmm. of putting it in a more positive way. That's a great answer, yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, any little things like that, little mm-hmm. phrases, sayings, we mm-hmm. just latch onto those and those are so helpful. Uh-huh. But what are some ways that we can sometimes communicate the wrong message about these things? And then do you have any advice on like how to flip that or? You take that one. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
Um, I mean, how can we do the wrong thing? I mean, I, the wrong is opposite of the right, I suppose. So, so again, we try to focus on the positive. We don't talk about the money we make. It's, it's the responsibility we have for the blessings we're given. Mm -hmm. and, and if you look at your work as a blessing, um, how are you going to use that for God's glory? Like Renee said, we, we're able to be with, um, uh, to get to know our employees um, and, and be an example to them. And we take that very seriously. Uh, at the beginning of every week, I, I pray that this week I will act in a way that will bring glory to God and I will not do anything that will detract from that in front of my employees. Uh, it's, it's very important because they're looking to us. And, and so over the years, we have employees who'll, who go through life crises and they will come to us and say, because they see, um, hopefully they see an example we have given them. They'll come to us and ask us for advice and what do we do and how do we get out of this jam? And, and, and that's, that's a great benefit. Um, yeah, and as far as modeling <coughs> the wrong way, it is so easy to get caught up in consumerism right now and uh, wanting to buy this and that. and The holidays are coming. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, make your long Christmas list. I mean, um, I, I think that it, that's, it's easy to model in the wrong way. And sometimes I even get caught up in um, the things that, um, that I want to do or that I want to buy or whatever. And I'm like, I don't. And then when I really think about that, I don't really need that, or we don't really need to go that direction. And so I think verbalizing that to your kids, and when they really want this or that, maybe divert them to a different topic, something that's more um, godly in nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so we see, I'm gonna open up for questions from the class after this next one, but we have a lot of answers in. It definitely skews towards the middle and top, um, three and four. We have a few answers of one and two in terms of how much do you worry and think about money. Um, and obviously worry and think about are two different things. Um, so how do we, but how do we teach our kids to be responsible with money, but also teach them not to be anxious for anything because God is going to take care of them when it looks like Money takes care of us. Money pays the bills. Money does these things. So you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. How do we ultimately point that back to God and say, God will provide us our daily bread? And, and God, um, I, my dad, again, raised me to believe that there was responsibility with any blessings we have. Uh, I remember when I was four years old, um, uh, every morning on our way to church, from beginning when I was four years old, he would give my brother and me each a dollar and say, this is what you put in the plate. And, and so we learn from an early age, that's what you do with your blessings. You give back to God. And then, so when I started earning my own money, um, no matter how little it was, I was taught to always take out of that, always, always, and, and give back. And so I think being a model like that with your kids, and then, and then with my dad, I was always able to see him doing other things for people that, a lot of times others didn't see, but being in the family, I did, would see him, him using uh, what he had. And so it's more about the responsibility is what uh, of Well, what and given. yeah, as far as not being anxious um, and understanding that God's going to take care of us, I mean, that happens through conversations. It happens through modeling. Um, Example, I don't know if you can tell your kids, don't be anxious. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. it, but yeah. when they see that you're anxious, you're modeling that, yes. And you're not anxious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. Do we have any questions from the class? Jen? So 
this is more of like a work question, not so much a parent question. You talked about like making mistakes and learning from the mistakes. How do you extend that to your employees? I'm in HR now. How do you balance showing grace, mm -hmm. but also you are not doing your job? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of that comes from uh, from attitude. Are they? Um, as far as mistakes and not doing your job are two different things. A mistake, I tell my employees, if you um, are trying to, to help the customer, if you're trying to do the right thing, I'll back you up. You know, um, uh, you know an example, I, I go back to one time I was at Home Depot and I was looking at some item, this is years ago, and it what, didn't have a price tag on it. And I asked the employee, Can, you know, how much is this? I don't know. Well, I want to buy it. How much can I buy it for? I don't know. And they wouldn't sell it to me. And I told my employees, look, if that happens in here, you know, come up with a number. Because you <laughs> probably know pretty close what it is. Come up with a number and help the customer and make the customer happy. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're wrong, I'll back you up. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's attitude. And it's, it's, are you trying to do the right thing? Besides, you know, being an hour late for work is a whole different issue mm -hmm. unless there's a reason for it so you, you do give grace for that but at some point you have to balance you know i'm always late with your coworkers having to pick up the slack for you mm -hmm. um they're two different things so attitude is a lot i think for me it's a struggle the, you, i have the same struggle because we're in retail and retail is about making people hit numbers mm -hmm. right and so we have to sit down and have some pretty difficult conversations well mainly brandon has to do that but <laughs> have some difficult conversations about you're not making your numbers why are you what are you doing to try to make your numbers and that sounds so worldly and it's it, it it's so sometimes it's difficult to um it, it's difficult to navigate that i mean our we have a Christian duty to um, teach people uh, grace, to be grace, gracious towards mm -hmm. people, but also we have a, um, we need to be good stewards to our business. And part of yes. that means we have to, one of, we have core values in our business. There are eight core values and everything that we do has to match those core values. And a lot of them are about pet health, about our team, about customer delight. One of them is, um, we strive to make a profit and because if we're not making a profit our business is going to fail and so um, it is difficult to um, balance you know I, I was teaching a class here at Brentwood a few years ago and it was it was about business and it was how do you how to how does a Christian run a business how do you run a business in a Christian way and we were talking about um, how you know sometimes you have to fire somebody it's tough how do you do that as a boss? Is that not showing grace? And Marquita Moss was in that class when she was, you know, uh, president here at BCS. And I asked her, I said, Marquita, you, you deal with this too. How do you deal with this? You know, when you fire somebody, you've got to see them at church the next week. <laughs> wow, how hard is that? And I remember she just looked at me and she said, no, it's not hard at all. She said, I have to look at the rest of the school and how that person is affecting the rest of everybody else. And I have to put their needs ahead of, does that sound familiar? <laughs> Jonathan, you're kind of grinning. But, you know, and, and so that, that always stuck and with I'm me. And I'm sure too. it wasn't easy for her. Yeah, not easy. It's <laughs> never easy. Um, but, but you do have to weigh those things. Um, and sometimes an employee needs to go somewhere else. And, and 
and succeed. <laughs> you know, they need to go somewhere else and succeed. And, and usually they do. Usually mm -hmm. they do. Are there other questions from the class? Um, well, okay, so one, you, you're talking a little bit about, you know, being a Christian in the business world and all of that. And I think one view that's out there among some Christians, I don't know how pervasive it is, but um, I do think there are some people who believe and teach that God wants all Christians to be prosperous and wealthy. Um, and if you believe, if you have enough faith that God will bless you with, you know, those sorts of uh, physical resources. And if you aren't prosperous, it's because you don't have enough faith. And so how do we kind of deal with the fact that there are a lot of Christians here in the country, globally, who are very, very limited in their resources? I don't want to say poor, but, you know, they struggle with that. And then on the flip side of that, there are people who, you know, Asaph talks about in the Psalms that there are people who are wicked and who prosper in those ways. And so as a Christian, I think sometimes those two are hard for us to reconcile, especially for young, little Christians. So um, what would you say to your kids about that, that reality? Um, is that we're talking about the First Timothy verse, I think, goes with that. Yeah, the First Timothy verse, you know, that um, talks about the love of money is, uh, can be the root of all kinds of evil. Um, that I think that particular chapter is talking about people who became Christians and who felt like they they could prosper mm -hmm. um, through their Christianity. And um, that whole chapter is is against uh, health and wellness sermons. Right. Uh, um, and that is, it's a hard one to talk to kids about, but um, there are people, dedicated Christians. Um, I mean, we've, we've had the for, uh, good fortune to go to Zambia and to see some, there's some wonderful Christians over there, but they have nothing. Um, some of them don't even have shoes on their feet, but they're happy and they're content mm -hmm. and their income level, their status and income level really has nothing to do with um, how happy they are and how much they serve God. I mean, there's, they serve God and praise God every day. We live in a fallen world, and God, um, people, good people get sick, and um, and then there are others who are evil people, and they prosper and they seem to be seem to be happy. Mm -hmm. um, but I would argue that they're probably not. Yeah, um, many of you have been to third world countries, and when you do, you find out how fabulously wealthy every single one of us is. Right. And so, how do we how do we deal with that? And and I I look at it as again, look at what are what are God's true goals for us? What's the main point? And that's for us to be with Him. So He gives us each talents, and He gives us gifts uh, to use for His glory. And if you, uh, if you read the parable of the talents, you know, a man was going on a journey and he, he chose his three servants and to one he gave five talents, one two talents, and one one talent. And then when he came back, the one with five talents had doubled them. The one with two talents had doubled them. The one with one talent had said, no, I'm going to, you know, I knew you were a hard man. I'm, I, I, I put my money in the ground and, and, and that, now you can have your, have your talent back, your gift, your money back. Who was the one condemned by Jesus in that story? It was one with one, not the one who had five and then had ten. They weren't, it's, it's, they're using those talents. They were given the number of ta talents, and it was money, according to their faith, it says. 
And so what you're given, it's how well you do with that. If you have um, a gift uh, to, if you have a gift for, what, for whatever, then you need to use that. The verse in, in Romans, it says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. So if your gift is to contribute to the needs of others, you have to have some means yourself to be able to give. And, and we see all through the Bible, God used people with means uh, for his glory. Um, Abraham, very wealthy. Uh, Jacob was very wealthy. Of course, Solomon. Joseph of Arimathea. If he hadn't been in, the, in that place, he was a wealthy man. He took Jesus' body and put it in his own, his own tomb. If he hadn't been in that place, he wouldn't have been able to do that. But he, he used that gift of a tomb that he had had carved for himself. And it says he was a wealthy man. And, and so even the apostles, I asked this question the other day. We were talking, did the apostles give everything up? Were they, were they you know, poor? Did they give everything up to follow Jesus? I don't believe they did. Because think about Peter and Andrew. What were they doing? They were fishermen when Jesus called them and said, come follow me. And they left and followed Jesus. In those days, what would happen if a family lost the breadwinner? The family would be destitute. They would die. They would starve because they didn't have a social safety net like we have today. I don't believe at all that Jesus would have told them, come follow me, leave your families behind and leave them to their own devices. I don't believe he would have done that. I think they had means because we see later, even after, uh, after Jesus was crucified, where were the apostles? They were back in Galilee fishing. They still had a business. Um, later we see Peter. Uh, Peter had about his house. He had a servant where his mother-in-law lived. He was taking care of his family. They had some kind of means is my point. So, so don't look at means and, and as, a, as a detriment. Look at it as a way to do God's will. And, and to use the, whatever those gifts are. If it's, if it's contributing to needs of others, then do that. That's what it's for. Well, and I think what's so humbling about that verse in Romans is that some of those things we think of as things that we work really hard to get mm -hmm. good at. Like, just as an example, Brandon is a teacher, and I think he has a gift in teaching, and he went to college and paid a lot of money and worked really hard to get good at that. Mm -hmm. But still in the end, that's a gift from God. Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, Absolutely. I think as we think about, oh, well, I work really hard to acquire these gifts. Ultimately, they mm -hmm. still are God's mm -hmm. from the beginning and mm -hmm. they still are gifts. So I think that's really an important thing for us to remember. And, you know, we, you talked about a lot of us have been to third world countries, um, but our children haven't and you know you think about that phrase when parents are like well there are starving kids in china and the mm -hmm. kids just roll their eyes because they don't want to eat their broccoli you know like how do we try to make that a reality for our kids that we are so wealthy in this country and give them that perspective which I feel like until you witness it's so hard to actually understand that well one of the great things that we have here at Brentwood is Megan Holly, right? And so she has a blog. Um, when I was teaching fifth grade Bible class, there was a student in there that just um, so admired Megan Holly. And so her parents um, helped her explore that. And so she uh, was a sort of a pen pal to Megan and she adopted one of the orphans over there. And so there are opportunities to, um, to teach your kids uh, 
about those who have less and, and the very, very poor of the world. And I think that's one avenue to do that. Um, yeah, and, and contributing to the needs of others is not always about wealth and poverty. Uh, the difference is there. Sometimes it's contributing, what are their needs? Are their needs, do, you need, do they need compassion? Mm -hmm. they, are, they, are they sick? Um, you know, uh, I remember several times my dad would take, at Christmas time, we would go to the children's hospital and take gifts to the kids at the children's hospital. They weren't poor, but they needed, they needed some comfort. They, mm -hmm. needed some, they needed to know somebody cared for them. Mm -hmm. Well, that didn't take money. That takes yeah. compassion. That mm -hmm. takes a heart. Well, one of the answers, too, that uh, Jeff and Jackie gave about politics is how do we teach our kids about politics? And they had such a great answer, and that is um, they're going to learn attitudes from your attitudes. Mm -hmm. um, the same goes for pretty much anything when it comes to um, helping others and giving and work and wealth, all of those things. They, they hear you talking to each other, and, um, and they're going to they're going to re reflect that in their own attitudes. Mm -hmm. well, it, it's funny that you mentioned Megan. Holly, she came to our home group when she was here, and she brought her girls. Mm -hmm. And the question that you had sent out, Scott, was talk about something that you're afraid of, something that's – and it was talking about fears and confronting those. So we were all like – public speaking and spiders and stuff like that. And <laughs> Megan was talking about how one time there was this spitting cobra in her pantry. <laughs> and she had to like put towels under the door to her girl's room. Uh -huh. And we were like, okay, uh -huh. you win. <laughs> yeah. It was such an eye-opening perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she wasn't talking about it in a complaining way or anything right. like that, but we were all like, wow. Mm. She is a very brave uh -huh. individual. She is yeah. a very, and a wonderful mother. Mm -hmm. And it was a, a blessing for us to get to talk to her about some of those things. Um, so, you know, you talked about giving. And I think one thing that as Christians and as we strive to be humble, we don't ever want to give in order to be seen by men. You know, there's a lot of things, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And so a lot of these things we do almost in secret, but you're talking about modeling for our mm -hmm. children, and we can't really model for them if they don't ever see that, don't know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, but then we also don't want to model like bragging about our giving. So, you know, how do we let our kids see and model that for them while also not boasting about that or doing it to be seen by men and maintaining that attitude of humility? I mean, I would say don't keep that a secret from your kids. Your kids need to see you giving, whether it's money or time. Right. Um, that is a very uh, important modeling, I think, mm -hmm. for kids. Um, even, you know, at Christmas time, we would go to our local bank when our kids were little, and they would choose a child off the tree. We would go buy a gift for them, and we would talk about the importance of giving to people who have less than us. And there will always be people who have less. There will always be people who have more. But um, I don't. I think that we need to be um, very humble about our giving, and that we we don't need to be seen before men, but we do need to be seen before our kids because they're gonna they're gonna model, they're gonna emulate that, they're gonna do that in their lives what they see. Um, and just remember, the giving is not always about money; it's about that you model model service to them mm -hmm. and and helping other people. Um, that's at least as important, if not more important, than them seeing you give in the collection plate. But the, just to see that it's part of your everyday life mm -hmm. and who you are. Uh, being a Christian is not what we do on Sunday. It's who you are every day and, and all through you. Well, that's not just putting money in a plate. That's 
giving yourself and we can all do that. We asked our kids, we told our kids that we were gonna be doing this and we said, what do you think is important? To, what do you think the most important thing for us to say is? And Kate said, um, you're never too good for anything. And Scott yes, already addressed my. that. <laughs> you're never too good for anything and, um, and always uh, give to those who have less than you do. And um, I think that uh, I was proud of that answer. Yeah. From her. Yeah, Brandon's Brandon's answer was, you know, you taught us a work ethic. You taught us to that we always work, and it's just it's not okay to to just not work and still be paid for something. That's not okay. You have to you need to earn that. That's important. Well, and so kind of along those lines, um, I Brandon and I went to a really a small Christian school in Florida. And a lot of the business leaders in the community would say things like, oh, we love hiring kids out of this school. They're such hard workers. And to them, they really saw a difference in the fact that these people were coming out and they were viewing their work as, you know, whatever we do in word and deed, we do all in the name of the mm-hmm. Lord. And that translated to a really strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. And so that can be a very powerful light to those around us. So what are some, I know you kind of addressed this a little bit, maybe you could talk about it in relation to allowance and any (laughs) advice you have about allowance, but, you know, just making sure that we are instilling a strong work ethic in our children. Uh, We talked about that, no free money, right? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) we we didn't give our kids an allowance. We, again, we were blessed to have the family business where the Mm -hmm. kids could actually work and earn, Mm -hmm. but we made sure they did that. You know, if, if you don't have that, you know, and you want to give them some kind of an allowance, just make sure that that allowance is based on their actual performance. And, and you know, if they're supposed to <laughs> do what? Performance. You didn't say that very well. I you didn't just what? get a quarter. Performance. So that sounds like... Uh, that's how our, our work seeks well, into yeah, well, <laughs> but that's the example. That's the example. I mean, you get a performance base raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if, if, if they're supposed to make their bed, clean their room and, and, and whatever, you know, feed the dog and they're going to get $5 that week or whatever it is. Okay, you don't get to the end of the week and say, you didn't get those done, but you've been a really good kid this week. I'm going to give you the $5 anyway. No. You have to do those. And then they learn that their work means something and they can take pleasure in that. Then you praise them when they do that work. Uh, oh, your bed looks so good. And, and thank you for feeding the dog. I didn't even have to ask you. You know, you talk about things like that, but the allowance is not just free. And, and, and our kids learned that there's a work ethic and they, you know, every, that they were very involved in school. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of activities they were involved in but they always worked uh, all summers and, and weekends and, and all that. And we did too as and kids. And I did too, so, but yeah. I was still involved in a lot. I mean, Brandon, was an Eagle, he's an Eagle Scout and, and Kate was uh, involved in a whole lot at school, but, um, but work was important for, for more than just, I got a job, I got to work. It was because this is a good thing. We're working for God. Yeah, allowance is a tough one because, um, I mean, there there are all kinds of opinions and none of, I mean, there are a lot of right answers for that and a lot of wrong answers for that. But we were talking to some friends here at church about allowance and they said, oh, um, our kids had to do things around the house simply because they were a member of our household mm-hmm. and you, th- we didn't give them money for that. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a great, op- it's another way to look at it. Yeah, it's another way to look yeah. at it. So, yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much. I want to see if we have any final questions from the class, Lindsay. I want to talk about failure. 
not so much success because um, I work with kids who have a lot of, of the anxiety who are just so fearful of failure. And I'm seeing that in my daughter. She won't even try something that mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen these things in you. I think you would have an aptitude for this. But it's immediately like, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to be good at that. So there's there's no, um, they just have this fear of failing. And so I didn't know if there were times in your career that you were able to fail, unfortunately, but how you guys dealt with that as a family and what maybe you could teach your kids. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's been, it hasn't always been roses for anybody. And I don't think God wants that to be. We learn from those failures, and, and, and that's the way God disciplines us, and I think he keeps us humble that way. Um, I mean, when I came back into the business, when I got out of ACU, we was losing money, and, and I, my dad and I worked together, and there were a lot of nights I went to, to bed, couldn't sleep, because I, am I going to make payroll this week? Um, so that was, that was a, there were tough times, but you just keep on plugging. Um, you know, show them the Longhorn game last night, you know, that's, <laughs> but, but show them examples of, of people who have, have failed. And, I, and I, I can guarantee you, if you look at very successful business people and dig into their lives, you're going to find times in their life that they fell flat on their face, but they got back up and it didn't stop them from trying. Um, we seem to look at the end result and not what got them there. And, and I, so I think, that's, I think that's very important. Yeah, I was going to actually comment on that. Um, there is some research, educational research, about like kids who play with blocks at a really young age. They build towers, they fall over, and you do it again. And so watching the tower fall, building the tower again, over that repeated action, um, and you can have responses to parents different ways. Like, oh, let me, let me build that for you. I got that. Oh, that one fell over. Let me build that for you. Um, and so just letting them learn at a young age. And I, I heard a parent actually at a playground recently. A kid fell over and she said, why do we fall over? So we can get back mm -hmm. building that little inkling into an everyday occurrence that teaches mm -hmm. failure and brings about success. I think dads are important in that. Moms more, in my experience, <laughs> have a tendency to, you know, to fix things. You know, it's a natural thing. Um, You're going to be stepping on some toes here. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no that's God's design. It, it really, no, this is good. Um, I mentioned Brandon was in, in, in Scouts. He's an Eagle Scout. Uh, when he was in Cub Scouts, I don't know if you're familiar, Cub Scouts are usually directed and run by moms. When they're young, they're in elementary school. They're young and growing up. When they go into like junior high, sixth grade or so, is when they go into Boy Scouts. Traditionally, Boy Scouts are run by dads. And I always remember the difference. You know, the moms, you know, would have the kids wrapped in bubble wrap, you know, and you know, we'd go on campouts. With the dads, if we brought 80% home, we were good. You know? <laughs> that's, that's all right. But, you know, the dads, we would have our own, when we go on campouts, we went on campout once a month. And, and it always struck me that the dads would have our own area. We cooked our own food, we did our own thing, and we always ate really well. And you look at the different ages of the boys, and the boys, I remember Brandon's first camp out. It was during the summer out at Pertinalis Falls State Park. And, and I, I remember they had, they had, they were going to have pancakes, but they forgot a, a spatula. So they used a fork, you know, to stir up their pancakes. And the butter, well, they had it stored in their black chuck box in the middle of summer. So they pulled it out and it's just, ugh, you know. And, and they didn't do well that, that camp out. And I looked at them, and they were over there scrambling up their pancakes and trying to eat. And I looked over the campsite, and there was a, a group of boys who were one year older. I'm talking seventh grade. 
they were flipping hamburgers with cheese and, you know, and the whole fixings. Well, dads, we didn't step in and say, okay, boys, y'all come eat with it. No, we let them do their thing, you know. <laughs> if it was a cold camp out, the first year boys, they forgot their gloves or if they forgot whatever, you're going to get cold, <laughs> you know. And they did, but they learned from that. And, and, and I guarantee you, the next year, they were the ones over there flipping burgers, and they were the ones that had all their winter gear ready and, and all this kind of stuff. So that was a failure, and, and you just got to kind of let them do that within reason. You know, uh, if they're not going to damage, hurt themselves or somebody else, then you let them do that. Well, and that's our guest last week, Kelly Cavender. Brandon, I asked him one time, you know, if you could go back and do it again, what would you do differently? And he said, I would let my kids fail more mm-hmm. in a safe, safe space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always thought that was interesting, and mm-hmm. we've taken that, tried to take that nugget with us. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you all so much for being here this morning. We really appreciate you and your time and your experience. Us. Thank you. Um, we'll go ahead and close in prayer in a minute, but I did want to say next week we will have um, Keith Stanglin back, Dr. Keith Stanglin, and he will be joined by Dr. Deanne Stewart, who is an outside guest, and we'll be talking about how do I talk to my kids about gender and sexuality. So we hope all of you will join us I'm for glad next we don't week. have that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we'll go ahead and close in prayer. All right. Lord, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for all the blessings you give us every day, and we pray that we will continually use those blessings to your glory and to know that, that the ultimate goal in life is for us to uh, one day have a home with you in heaven. And we thank you for your son that makes that, uh, that possible. We pray that you will be with us as we go through this life to, uh, 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 to learn from others. We thank you for your church that we can lean on each other during tough times and help each other when we're doing well and somebody else is not doing as well. Um, Lord, we, we uh, uh, sometimes don't know the right way to go and we don't know the right thing to do. We pray for your grace when we make mistakes. We pray that um, we will learn from that and we will always try to do better. Uh, Lord, most of all, we, we thank you for your son who died for us that, that does enable that uh, home with you one day. And in his name we pray. Amen.